look, you hear all these stories, Ben, about people who are multimillionaires or billionaires, and then they pass the company on to the kids, the kids run it into the ground. Or the kids never amount to anything when they had someone who was an unbelievably successful person for a mom uh, or for a dad. Do you know what will happen to your loved ones when something happens to you? If you don't know the answer or don't like the answer, then this is the show for you. Listen up as we teach you about protecting your family legacy through better estate planning. Our family is here to protect yours. So welcome to the Complete Estate Planning Podcast with attorney Nick Rosenbauer. And here's your host, Ben George. Welcome in to Complete Estate Planning. I am Ben George. He's Nick Rosenbauer, estate planning attorney and owner at Rosenbauer Law Office, serving uh, the greater Cincinnati area, Southern Dayton, and their office is located right there in Westchester, but you can find them online at CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. Nick, good to talk to you again. How are you? I'm doing good, Ben. Just uh, found out in the last couple days that uh, Big Ten football is going to happen. Uh, So I'm uh, obviously big UD flyer, but... uh, you know they don't have a. I think I think their football teams D three or NAIA. So I've always been uh, an Ohio State fan for football. Uh, that's where my father went. So uh, I guess I have at least some sort of ties there. And just found out in the last couple of days there will be uh, Ohio State football and also the NFL started recently. So yeah, I know it's not normal, but it's it's getting a little bit closer to normal, uh, I think, than before. And it's nice to see live sports as opposed to turning on reruns of the 1996 NBA first <laughs> round of the right. playoffs, game three. So that's that's nice, and it's you're starting to see a little bit of something that looks like fall. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm glad I'm glad the Big Ten's back involved. And again, it's not that uh, Nick's been you know out of the loop. We're recording this in September, and shortly after uh, the announcement has been made. So when this this airs, will be pretty close to kickoff for the Big Ten. Hopefully, if everything goes according to schedule, and and for the Bengals too, we've seen a couple of games for the Bengals too, Nick. And and while it hasn't been the outcome you would have hoped for, at least uh, I think Joe Burrow has looked the part early on. Oh boy. Huh? There's a reason I don't do sports podcasts. I, <laughs> I I probably shouldn't go on the record because this is uh-oh, being recorded. Uh-oh. I think Joe Burrow is the real deal. I think he was not the right pick for the Bengals between okay. you and me. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> I think if you wanted to have a really good team, I think someone would have given us three first-round picks for Joe Burrow. Heck, they did it for RG3. People have given up multiple first-round picks right. for less touted quarterbacks and we have more than one hole and I think we could have gotten two or three good linemen or linebackers three first round picks and then next year we could have gotten Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence so I think we could have still got a great quarterback plus gotten two or three very good solid pieces so I think Joe Burrow's good I think I think someone would have overpaid for him uh, is all so if I were trying to make a great Cincinnati team three years from now, I would have traded the pick to someone desperate, and I would have laughed all the way to the bank. If, um, <laughs> But on the flip side, if I wanted to sell tickets and I wanted to generate buzz and interest in the team right now, obviously Joe Burrow's the only way to go. You just, you just don't get that excited about two blue-chip offensive linemen and maybe right. a defensive end. Although I would rather, like I said, I would rather have three first-round picks than one 
to be honest. I think he is the real deal. I think he looks good. Um, I think we could have gotten a great quarterback next year and had three extra first-round picks to go along with it. So I, I I think he's good, but I think we could have— I think we could have ripped someone off, if that makes sense. It's a very level-headed approach. You don't really get that, especially if you're in the world of social media around sports. It's like, you know, you can't have the you can't have the opinion that he's both good and it was a bad pick for the Bengals, but it makes a lot of sense, and I totally get what you're saying. Well, isn't the word fan short for fanatic? Yeah. I mean, aren't we aren't we just illogical as it is? Typically. Um, but yeah. <clears throat> so I am I'm more of a casual Bengals fan. As far as football, uh, Ohio State was my first uh, football love because my dad went there, so we grew up watching Ohio State football. And I've been to more Ohio State games than Bengals games. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan, but I'm more casual. Uh, I'm not as much of a diehard, so to speak. So perhaps I can take emotion out of it. And you know, Ben, what's going to happen now that this is recorded? He's going to win <laughs> three league MVPs, win a Super Bowl. But eh, if it means we win a Super Bowl, um, that is worth me being, you know, proven wrong five years from now and them having tape on it. So either I'm right, right or if I'm wrong, it means uh, it means things went better than expected. So I yeah. guess it's a win-win for my my hot take, if you want to call it that. Absolutely a win-win for sure. Well, let's get into what we're talking about today uh, on the podcast, and it's estate planning for the self-made and. Give me the uh, give me the the concept behind this, Nick. So I like the idea when you presented it to me, but give me just the context of why you wanted to have this conversation. Well, first off, thanks for turning this uh, around to a subject that I actually know something about, <laughs> um, as opposed to managing a professional football team. But one of the things that I, I've noticed recently, and I've had a whole lot of interactions with a lot of clients. When I say self-made, I mean you know first generation wealthy, maybe first generation educated, you know, built from the ground up came from nothing. So a situation where people don't inherit all of their money. Now, certainly people will inherit money. And I think every as every generation gets wealthier, there will be more and more and more to pass on. But I've noticed a big difference from people who came from nothing or everything that they have is a result of their own sacrifice, um, their own good decision making, their own hard work, and I just I think you end up with a different set of values, um, especially especially people who have worked for 30, 40 years to get where they have, or a business owner or an entrepreneur, and not that that's for everyone, but I, I just think you see a different side of the world. And you have a different set of values and beliefs, and maybe, maybe, maybe not that. Maybe it's a different perspective. And I've noticed there have been a number of things that are built into the conversation as far as planning for their values and wanting to pass those values on to the next generation. And, and that's something we do, and I notice that a lot. And, and I think, especially when we when we're talking about people with their own money versus people passing on someone else's money. Not that one's right and one's wrong, but I just think it's a whole different conversation and there's a number of different things that that come up and we have to go through. And there's basically two or three more items on the checklist that we need to uh, discuss and figure out that that maybe other situations uh, we wouldn't have to, uh, wouldn't be very relevant. I got you. And this conversation makes sense. I, if, if I would have done a good job hosting, Nick, I would have transitioned from all the self-made millionaires on the Bengals that are now 
working on their estate plan and may want to do things differently, but I didn't and, and that's okay. So we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep <laughs> plotting along here on the show. And, um, so let's talk about some of the things you do then with, with people and some of the differences in the planning process with self-made, uh, people versus, you know, the opposite. But I guess it starts with, I mean, does the planning process look the same or do they require different needs and a different structure? Well, first off the, the fill in the blank recycled do it yourself templates, they don't work for this type of client, for this type of family. It just, it just, it does not compute. It does not do what they want it to do. They need more. You have a different conversation, and to be honest, I think just about every family deserves more, but I think them especially so. There's a different conversation going on when you're talking with someone, first off, about how they pass on what they worked for 30, 40 years to create, or what they've built and what they've saved for, as opposed to someone that, you know, had money passed down to them, and then what they don't use, they continue on down the line. Heck, at that point, we're not even talking about, you know, passing on their own money. It's more of a, what am I going to do with my great-grandfather's money um, after I don't use all of it? It's a whole it's a whole different conversation. I think you need to go back and again, you'll see on a number of different episodes why I talk about there's more questions to be asked and we need to take it a step further. It's really 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 apparent here and I think it's good to get some perspective, kind of understand how they grew up, what their life looked like and and I typically I ask people tell me their story, how they got where they are. Um, and I think that gives me a lot of insight on, on what their values are and you know, you get that, you just get that person who has that drive or that hunger, so to speak, uh, that, that work ethic, you know, pick it up, you know, by the bootstrap type of mentality. Um, just a different, a different set of values um, and, and maybe a different appreciation or just a different perspective from the way that you went through your life. And, and I'm sure everyone knows someone who's come from nothing, grew up dirt poor, et cetera, et cetera. And not that I'm the the prime example, I, I grew up in middle-class suburbia, and I had two wonderful parents who did a great job and worked hard and, you know, had good jobs and good educations and, and raised us with the right values. I think one of the smartest things my parents ever did was not give me stuff. Once I, uh, I think I was 12 years old when I started working, um, I started refing soccer games. And the weird thing about that, because I was seeing dollar signs. At that point, I said, well, shoot, if, uh, if I get all my needs paid for and now I can go make money, then I can live, you know, even bigger. I can get extra video games or whatever the heck I was into at age 12. And then it comes to find out all of a sudden I have this money so my parents don't pay for me to go to the movies anymore and they don't buy my video games anymore, and, which I thought was kind of a raw deal at the time. But, you know, you have these people who... They literally associate work with, you know, how they pay for things and how they take care of things. And they just sit there and say, if I want to buy this, I need to go make money. If I want to feed my family, I need to go make money. And then they can look back and see how much they had to hustle early mornings, late nights, weekends, driving crummy cars, living in small houses not being able to go out to eat, 
not being able to take the kids to Disney World, just sacrifice after sacrifice. It's a lot of selflessness, to be honest. Putting someone else, usually their family, uh, before their own well-being or, you know, to buy the Rolex or the Maserati or things like that. And Ben, where this comes into play, apart from just, you know, having, you know, my clients having a good story about, you know, I guess what you would consider the the American dream of opportunity, you work hard, you have a good education, good values, you can you can win, you can go be successful, is they worry about their children and their grandchildren not getting there. I, I don't know I don't know if that makes sense, Ben, but they're but they're worried about passing on their wealth to their children or their grandchildren and them not having the same startup or the same mm-hmm. hunger or the same grit maybe that they did. Look, you hear all these stories, Ben, about people who are multimillionaires or billionaires and then they pass the company on to the kids, the kids run it right. into the ground. Or the kids never amount to anything when they had someone who was an unbelievably successful person for a mom uh, or for a dad. Um, and, and shoot, I'm sure there's a million different celebrities or athletes or, or things like that where you can, speaking of the Bengals, um, you know, <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of people like that. Just think about it. There, have you heard the term trust fund babies or trust fund kids? Yeah. I mean, we ever, Does that you, ring you, a bell? You hear that a lot, yeah. That's the big worry. And what they see is they see, and if we're going to be logical about it, they see a good formula. They see that their parents raised them with good values, taught them to work hard, learn how to do something, you know, good work ethic, good money habits, you know, the ability to make it work without having to be, you know, keeping up with the Joneses or something like that. And then what they worry about is they worry about their children not learning basically from the same school or the same uh, background or environment that they did. And think about it like this. Let's say this person comes from nothing. He's super successful, and he ends up with a million dollars. Maybe he's got a nice house, 401k, some investments. And then all of a sudden, we have the son of a millionaire. That's a whole heck of a lot different than the millionaire grew up with. He was probably a son of, uh, you know, perhaps someone who obviously was, was not first generation wealthy and you know, just had good values and good parenting, but didn't have multiple commas in the bank account. So I have a lot of these situations where these clients, they're worried about all that they've worked for. They're worried about their money ruining or being more of a detriment to the children, I would say, than a blessing. Um, And I don't know if, if that makes sense to you, that some people may roll their eyes and say, how can money be you know, how can money be bad? But, you know, think about it. You hear all the stories of the child pop stars blowing through all their money or the lottery winners that are bankrupt three years later um, and things like that. I'm sure I'm sure you can go on to uh, any news site or pull up Google and find a million of those. So th- what the question boils down to, and probably the question everyone's mind, how the heck do we take this blessing, the fruits of your labor, so to speak, and, and be able to give this wonderful gift to the children or future generation without 
harming them without almost it's almost like a failure to launch so to speak mm-hmm. so number of things we need to think about a lot of clients don't like the idea of dumping hundreds of thousands of dollars or heck even millions of dollars at someone all at once okay like a you know like a windfall of lottery winnings and just to give you an example ben think about this let's say you you do extremely well you and your wife pass away and then your daughter gets a million dollars on her 18th birthday. Mm-hmm. Can, you, can you tell me, I know she's young, so you don't know all the details of how she's going to grow up yet, but any idea how that might play out? How does that sound to you? Yeah, I would be a little concerned on you know, what her drive would be, what her work ethic would be, how she would use that money. Uh, look, when we're all in that position at that age, I mean, we, you know, we don't we don't know what to do with it. We don't have that appreciation for what that, that money means and how that money was earned, right? It just, it's there, it's available to us and, you know, we want to use it how we want and we don't think things through very, very much. No, exactly. And also, I think you hit on a good point. You didn't have to earn it, so there's not the appreciation. You don't look at that money and see 40 years of working your butt off. Right, 40, exactly. 50, 60 hours a week and sacrificing because you didn't have to do that to get it. Um, so you don't see that idea. So, you know, some things to think about here. We want to give them the money, but not in a way that will harm them. And, and think of $500,000 to an 18-year-old without the 18-year-old being a complete you know, derelict or something like that, even a good 18-year-old can't appreciate $500,000. They can't appreciate 40 years worth of work just because they haven't lived long enough. I think they're just, you know, I just don't think there's many 18-year-olds who are ready for that. So, you know, think about it like this. A lot of the things we end up doing is the money's there, but maybe for a a specific purpose only. So it's not, here's $100,000 or here's a million dollars, you know, Mr. 18-year-old. Maybe the money can be used for their, their medical bills, their education expenses, use the money to help better themselves, help them go to college, um, you know, or basic support needs, maybe emergencies. I've had a lot of my entrepreneurs say they can release money early if they're going to start their own business. You know, so, so basically, the money can be used to lead them in a positive direction, if that makes sense. And, and even if we're over 18... I still don't know if it's a great idea to give people all the money at one time. So I've had, you know, think about something like stages or maybe installments, maybe some at 25 and the rest at 35, just just throwing numbers out in thin air. Maybe when you're a little bit older, perhaps uh, just holding money back as an emergency fund only and and not giving your child a million dollars, making them earn it on their own. But at the same time, God forbid something horrible happens and there's an illness or something like that, we have this safety net. So they have to go make their own way just the way you did. So you can put them in that same environment and allow them to work hard and, you know, go through uh, the, you know, the school of hard knocks, if you want to call it that. But know that what you've worked hard for is there in an emergency as a backup, if you will, as opposed to their main source of income. I've had clients set up something maybe as a supplement and maybe so many dollars per month, and it's not enough to ruin them. It's not enough to let them quit their job, 
but we know no matter what happens, they'll always have a roof over their head. Um, right. Or maybe it's a slight boost, if that makes sense. Yeah, or gives them flexibility to to kind of chase their dreams potentially and not have to worry as much about, you know, how they're going to pay those bills or pay their rent, that sort of thing. Exactly. I love I love what you said about flexibility. That's a that's a good way to look at it or just take some pressure off mm-hmm. without allowing them to sit, you know, in a big fancy purple robe on uh, uh, in a mansion with a butler and never work. So they still have to do it, but maybe give them a little bit of breathing room. Um, another thing people do when they're self-made, they want to pass their values on to future generations. So maybe we don't give all the money to your children. Maybe we give them some money to help out and be a safety net. Uh, but maybe we want to look down the line, maybe to the grandchildren or even the great-grandchildren and use this money to make sure that they can all go to college, as an example, or they can all get the best schooling or you know, the more money you have, certainly the more people you can help. Right. Let, let's call it what it is. If you have ten thousand dollars, there's only so <laughs> far it can go. If you have five hundred thousand, if you have five million, and again, what is a lot of money to one person can be, you know, peanuts to someone else and vice versa. So yeah. certainly it's all relative. But the more you have, the more impact you can make, good or bad. Because I think five hundred thousand can do a lot of good for someone. And heck, in today's uh, housing market, $500,000 is just a, a random three-bedroom house um, with, with the way all houses are selling uh, here in Cincinnati, at least. You can do a lot of good with 500000 You can also do a whole lot of bad with $500,000. Um, so I think, you know, people, I think a lot of these self-made people recognize the responsibility to do this and to do it well and to be good stewards of their wealth and not just kind of willy-nilly, well, if I'm gone, give it to the kids at the end. Um, yeah, and I think so, I would imagine too, Nick, a lot, of, a lot of people in this situation that have worked this hard and didn't come for money and, and all of a sudden they've you know crewed this money and built this, this portfolio and this, this life for themselves, but they don't want to see it thrown away in one generation either, probably. You know, like being able to spread that out over, you know, your grandchildren, even beyond that, just to know that, hey, at least my family for a couple generations is going to be comfortable and not have to fight as hard as I did to get to this point again. Well, exactly. That's a big worry. Um, and I'm glad you brought that up. That's the other big worry, apart from, you know, basically allowing the kids or grandkids to be spoiled or be trust fund kids or, you know, be able to get through life and be lazy and never really, you know, have to hustle or or, or grind or work hard is the other one. What about blowing all of it? And if you don't have the appreciation, and and to be honest with you, Ben, inherited money feels different whether you're 18 or you're 80. Yeah. Okay. So it's just different when you didn't work for it and it's just a bonus. It's a windfall. There's a whole different level of appreciation for your paycheck every other Friday because you had to put in the sweat equity for that. So it needs to be handled with care. You're exactly right. Some people go out, buy houses, buy cars, have some parties, go on some lavish vacations. All of a sudden, they turn around. The money's gone. They have nothing to show for it but a, uh, you know, but a Corvette in the, uh, in the driveway and a house that they can't afford to clean. So that's something people worry about. And then on top of it, a lot of my self-made clients are are very charitably minded. Okay, So it seems like the people who work the hardest 
for whatever reason, are, are sometimes the most giving uh, as well. And I guess they appreciate it, and they appreciate what they can do with the fruits of their labor. So a lot of times we talk about charitable gifts or donations or, or, or the ability to help out worthwhile causes or organizations as well. So that's another thing that we, that we come across more often than not. So gotcha. like I said, kind of it's just a whole different approach. And I think, and look, this is the way the approach should be for every family, to be honest with you. But especially I think the people who are first generation successful or self-made and you know they had to you know everything that they have is a result of their hard work and sacrifice and their grit and their determination i think you just have to look at these concerns that they have about wanting what's best for their children and what's best for their children may not always be a big windfall of a lot of money so that that's something that people need to keep in mind and as a parent, isn't that your responsibility? You want what's best for your kids. And what's best for your kids is not necessarily giving them a million dollars on their 18th birthday. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, this is a good conversation, I think, to have for people that have this concern. And it's a good reminder, too, that, hey, if, if, if you are in this position, and really even if you're not, right, if, no matter what estate planning you want to do, just make sure you do your due diligence and find someone that's going to work through these things and really talk through the different considerations that you have and the options that you have, not that somebody that's just going to, you know, as you said at the very beginning, pull out a, a fill in the blank recycled template, hand it over to you. Hey, bring that back when you get done and, and we'll finish this thing out. No, you know, let's go through this, figure out who you are, what your what your goals are, what your needs are, and what your wishes are, and let's let's lay out a plan that fits for you. Yeah, and just it's asking the right question. And it's not popping someone through the assembly line and just saying, you know, next, you know, almost like drive-through estate planning. If you want to think about going through your your drive-through to get a meal, so to speak, right. it's just the, the time needs to be spent. We need to look at it. All comes back to looking at what you want, who the money goes to, and then asking the question: What happens when it gets there? Yeah. So again, um, you're exactly right. We're just we're just taking it a step further, and, and I think um, you know, especially those out there who you know maybe had to work all their life and you know, didn't receive $10 million from their great, great uh, uncle. Uh, they, they understand it and they appreciate it. And, and heck, if you've, if you've inherited money because your parents have done well, that's good as well. Good for you. Um, and you probably have the same concerns because you're still probably worried that, you know, a million dollars can ruin someone, whether your dad and your mom pass it on to you or if it was made somewhere else. So these concerns really, really affect everyone. But I think those people who are self-made, I, I think they're just more aware of it uh, than yeah. most. So again, you want an attorney who's looking through all of that and will will take the time with you as opposed to just putting you in the drive-thru. Well, as you can tell, Nick will do that with you. And you can contact Rosenbauer Law Office a couple of different ways. CincinnatiEstatePlan.com is the website. You'll find all of our past podcast there as well. So you can go back and listen to the other conversations we've had along the way. Plus Ohio's complete guide to state planning is there as well, along with some other documents and resources. But also you can call the office too, 513-463-6789 and really get down to uh, to your plan and, and understand that Nick's going to have these these uh, the understanding of these concerns and these, these issues that you want to work through to get your estate settled and, and make sure that your money 
doesn't get wasted. That's what we, uh, that's the bottom line here for, for just about anybody that, that goes through this process too, but specifically for self-made people. So Nick, uh, a good conversation and definitely some things to think about and, and, and to consider as you're, as you're working on your state plan and to know that there, there is a way to structure these things so that you can have your, uh, your, your goals and your wishes met. Absolutely. I appreciate it as always. Just, uh, a little bit of a new perspective, and I know this maybe wasn't as technical uh, or legal as some of the other uh, as some of the other topics we covered. But again, you know, if we're going to do it right, we need to look at all the avenues. So enjoy it as always, and uh, let's uh, let's hope that there's uh, more sports and more little uh, semblances of normalcy. Uh, we'll take all of that we can get. Absolutely. So everybody, stay safe, and uh, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks right here on Complete Estate Planning. The Complete Estate Planning Podcast is brought to you by the Rosenbauer Law Office, based in Westchester, Ohio, and serving the entire Cincinnati area. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Complete Estate Planning with Nick Rosenbauer to find us or visit CincinnatiEstatePlan.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Nick, and to learn more about protecting your family legacy. That's CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. This show is for informational purposes only and does not provide any legal advice. Information on this show may not constitute the most up-to-date legal information. Please do not act or refrain from acting based solely on anything you hear on this show. This show does not form any attorney-client relationship with the Rosenbauer Law Office, LLC. Please seek the counsel of a qualified attorney before addressing your own estate planning needs.